Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest <laughs> songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. So last week we did a deep dive on all things meat puppets. And as y'all could probably tell, that was a Rob favorite. Yeah. So this week we're going to do a deep dive into one of my favorites, yeah. which is Andy Gullihorn. Um, and as you'll hear through the interview with this guy we're going to talk about some of my favorite things like the kerrville folk festival yeah. his wife jill phillips music yep. bowling open sea tuning high fives all kinds of stuff but for now let's kick it off with one of my favorite andy gullihorn songs rob uh, play a little bit of silent movie by andy gullihorn here we go a decidedly different vibe than the meat puppets <laughs> I was lost and wandering Desperate for someone to guide me You had no words to give Just started walking beside me Sometimes the best advice is Better seen than heard Like a silent movie Talking without Come on. Dude, this guy. That's That's where we're going today. That's right. So that is where we're going. That's from the 2005 album Room to Breathe by Andy Gullihorn. Is it 2005 or 2004? I don't know. My research said 2005, but I could be It doesn't matter what year. It's awesome. Yeah. So, And we're going to talk about that album because that's on my top 10 of all time. You know what? Uh, Apple Music says 2004, so let's go with that. Rock and roll. January 2004. So almost 2003. <laughs> January 1, 2004, according to Apple Music. There so we go. Happy was New Year, world. A full year off. Uh, sorry about that, Andy. I apologize. Um, yeah, written by Andy Gullihorn and Jonathan Knoll. Um, a little bit about Andy. So we don't have a lot of like chart information on Andy because I, you know, he's not a guy that like is super mainstream or anything, but he is a songwriter's songwriter. Absolutely. I've literally had people who listen to our show, who are OG listeners, who from season like one, when we first started doing our first couple interviews, they're like, when are you going to get or cover Andy Gullihorn? I've literally had people asking me that <laughs> since season one. So for, for those of y'all who have stuck around nine seasons to hear us talk about Andy Gullihorn, fine. Are you happy? <laughs> this is for you. And for those of y'all that don't know who he is yet, you will after this, and yeah. you will want to go listen to all things Andy. He's yeah, he's awesome. one of those guys that like, when you need when you when you have a mood you're going to go I need some Andy Gullihorn in my life. And I'll talk to you about all the different moods that he'll cover in this one album. Yeah. So I can like anyway, we'll talk about it when we get to the album section. Yes. If you if you loved uh when we talked about David Wilcox, if you love stuff like Dave Barnes, mm-hmm. you know, the, the singer-songwriter's singer-songwriter, yeah. Andy Gullihorn is your guy for sure. Uh I'm I just pulled his bio from his website because it's great. It's great. Read it. So It says, Andy Gullihorn is a singer-songwriter originally from Austin, Texas. He moved to Nashville, Tennessee back in the 1900s to attend (laughs) Belmont University. And upon graduating, he married a girl who was about to sign a record deal with Word Records. This was Andy's greatest achievement. 
After years of playing guitar on the road with his wife and writing songs for various other artists, he started recording his own songs again and returned to the road for solo shows as his wife wanted to be home more with their beautiful children who resemble their father. Before pandemic land, Andy would spend most of the year on the road performing at conferences, house concerts, clubs, retreats, festivals, churches, and stairwells. During COVID time, when he is not resentfully monitoring online school for those beautiful kids... He spends his time writing songs and performing online shows accompanied by a fake applause machine. <laughs> he also has a healthy appetite for hobbies. His favorites include bowling, badminton, collecting used Christmas trees, creating haunted trails for neighborhood kids, and giving high fives. His eighth and most recent record, Everything As It Should Be, released in 2018 to great fanfare from his mom. <laughs> so that kind of gives you a little insight into Andy's personality. Um, and, and, uh, I'm going to talk just a little bit about his personality type, because if you're an Enneagram person, we have the same personality type, he and I. And so I kind of, um, uh, very well understood some of his, uh, you know, some of his thinking in spots. with that concept. Did you, did you listen to self-awareness song, the Enneagram song? He's got a song called the self-awareness song. No. It's just about Enneagram. It's like, oh, there's funny. nothing to fix. I know what my Enneagram number is. That's it's funny. basically the the concept of it. Oh, so. no, I haven't. I, I got to focus. It's fairly find recent. It. So yeah. it's a little okay. That's awesome. Um, okay. By the way, my autocorrect, I've had to type his name a million times in the process of doing research and talking it's to It's on JP. his newest album, by the way. Sorry about that. Okay. It's on everything is as, as it should be. Okay. 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 Um, my my phone and my computer badly want his name to be Andy Bullhorn. <laughs> Every time I try and type Gullahorn, it comes out Bullhorn. It's one of those things Which would where be like a great stage gimmick for him to come out with one and just freaking yeah, and just, just <laughs> trying to sing silent movie yeah, with through a bullhorn. Yeah, through the through a bullhorn. Um so yeah, I'm sure that's one of those deals where, you know, you can force your phone to like if you mistype something, you can make it to say something else. So I'm sure like in his phone, it's got it. Or everybody who knows him yeah. has that feature on in there. If I type bullhorn, just change it to gullahorn. Yeah. And you know. <laughs> his birthday is also the day after mine. Five years earlier. He's five oh, years older than I, but birthday's the day after mine. How about that? Okay, let's let's talk about the song a little bit. I got some listening notes okay. and then I know you've got some stuff on the album that you want to talk about. Yep. Um First of all, it's an E flat, which is an, yep. it, it, kind of an interesting choice for a song that is only acoustic guitars, mm-hmm. right? It's it had to be he must have liked just something about where it fell. Well, do you know how he plays it? Please tell me. I don't. He it's the same thing that he does. Play another song, um, and then I'll come back to why. On okay. This. Play a song called "I Will." It's off Beyond the Frame. Okay. Um, it's from 2013, which is another great album. So good. But play this song. This is called "I Will." Here we go. It's going to be a double bass and a cello, I guess. But this song's also in E flat. Okay. Um, but the way he plays this, um, I'll just talk over it for a yeah. minute is it's actually he plays an open C tuning okay and he puts the capo on the third fret so basically he's got whereas some people okay. would play in like drop D on the first fret yeah he's an open C on the third fret okay so that's the part that he's playing and when they do this live he does it with Andy Andrew Peterson a lot yeah um, and another electric guitar player who's named Andrew Osegna oh wow they, it's Andy and the Andys the three yeah. of them 
but Andrew Peterson will play one acoustic part in drop D on one. Okay. Andy Gullihorn plays in open C on three. And then okay. Osegno will play in open E, tune down, and step. play it. Okay. So it's really cool. Crazy. Or just sometimes he'll play a telly in E flat and just play along. But Yeah, okay. Andy, but anyway. That's neat. So that's kind of that same concept. Okay. So that might help you as you're thinking through yeah. when you're talking about okay. your listening notes. Well, so the, one of the things I was going to say about him, you can tell like – a real singer songwriter. Okay. Like, like I sing and I write songs. I'm not a singer songwriter. If that makes (laughs) sense. Okay. A a real singer songwriter. They, who comes from like the proper stock, you know what I mean? They have, they just have a way of caressing an acoustic guitar, right? Uh, Their instrument and creating these parts that are more than just them playing the song, Uh right? They're, they're, they're parts are part of the song and yeah. they're a crucial element to the song. Uh-huh. If I'm like, dude, I wrote this song, I'm going to strum you a G, C, and D. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And maybe a little something here and maybe a riff or something like that. But I, but I, I'm not the guy that's going to, that's like sits and simmers on what is this song singing to me uh-huh. for me to play through the acoustic? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But you, th- you think about guys like Andy and, and David Wilcox and even Dave Barnes, James Taylor. The, it's like the acoustic, the song is not the same if you would just, if you just played it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so the, for me, part of an element of being like a, a, a true blue singer songwriter is these parts. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, it, it's, they're they're just a, a, as much a main ingredient to the song as as anything else is, and so you definitely hear that in his in his parts, even in his tunings, yeah, you know all that kind of thing. So that only goes to further that you know that point for me. And there's a great head fake in this song at minute three. Okay. Um, oh so man, this is so good. So you have to, the song's called Silent Movie. Yeah, and just hear where it goes at minute three. This is so super smart. Talking with a word. Talking. Talking. Wait for it. Dude. That's literally so great. Oh, man. This is brilliant. It's one of those things where that pause is a whole other verse to this song. It's, and it's way too long, yeah. thus making it perfect. Yeah. You feel it. You uh-huh. feel that. And he comes in dynamic down, yep. so quiet. And then the music actually reaches its crescendo in this, like, coda. Dude. Anyway, yeah, that's so solid. That brilliant. I have no idea what those whispers are. Do you know what no, he's whispering I there? Uh-huh. I don't. That I wish should have been a question we would have asked him yeah, if I had to go back. Let's and, play it one more time. We should. We'll make our own version if we can't figure it out. <laughs> maybe I'll email him and be like, "Hey, what are the whispers?" Oh, maybe could that be a nice? I think I'll do. It. I'll shoot him. A, actually, I'll shoot him a text right now. Okay. Okay. Talking with us. Talking. What if it's just nonsense? So what is it? Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Guys, we're gonna meet the band that played on this track. His name is Andy Gullahorn. There you go. There it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. As we move along, that's right. He was born in Austin, Texas, and <laughs> moved to Nashville back in the 1900s. That's great. That's great. Um, 
Yeah, Andy. Uh, a few more listening notes to me from me on on silent movie. I'll go back and talk about it. Um, first of all, I love the random, uh, seemingly random, but nothing is random to a true singer songwriter. Um, the flat seven chord at the end of the at the end of the uh, chorus is really nice, and I really, really, really love a couple of things. Um, the vocal doubling that comes in on the chorus yeah absolutely um caught me off guard i wasn't expecting that Mm -hmm. and it's really nice it's really like adds this sort of like creamy and it's doubled it's not um, a harmony part it's doubled it's yeah so hear that hear hear that and it's off it's off it's not direct on it's that's right yeah it's a little bit off to the side walking beside me sometimes the best advice yeah i think it's actually tripled it's i think it's tripled it's it's doubled on each in each ear with a different double and so uh, i think it's i think it's tripled and really adds this like thickness and emphasis to what he's saying you know what i mean it's a nice way to set it off without having to do something dynamic or add another instrument Mm -hmm. it calls attention to that line yeah and it's good it's really smart to do in an acoustic song yeah for sure exactly it's it's another way to add interest and layers layers, uh without having to without having other instruments in and then you get some harmony vocals after the second chorus and they are beautiful better seen than heard like a silent movie talking without words yeah some nice Harmonies there, you know, taking that concept of the double and then adding another layer, you know, by withholding those harmonies until the second chorus you get, you know, it it adds another layer of interest. Um, Really great. Another thing that's interesting about this song that I think this is the first time I've ever heard a song do this. Okay. okay? And that's, it's not every day that you get like, this is the first time I've ever heard this anymore, especially 10 seasons into this show. Um, It's not uncommon for a song to play. Uh, what you might call a half chorus or a or a single chorus, mm-hmm. and then the next time around add another part, right? Yep. So, um, uh, you know, you'd have the first chorus and it would be shorter, and then the next time they do it, it's longer, and that's the case here too. But I can't think of another song offhand. I don't know if you can that plays the second stanza of the chorus the first time through, and then what they add the second time goes in the beginning is a different first part of the that's chorus. That's a good thought. You know that's what I mean? It's good. But that's what happens here. So the 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 first time through, um, let me, hold on, let me pull up the lyrics. You can play it. That's good. Okay. I never even noticed that. I've heard this song 7,000 times. <laughs> so first time, first time through, here's your chorus. Sometimes the best advice is better seen like a silent movie talking without words. Okay, so you get the second half. You don't know it yet, but that, when we play it again, when we it. hear it again, that's going to be the second stanza. Here's the second time through the chorus. Like a silent oh, yeah. movie speaking to the eye. Show them what's inside. Then you get the part that you've already heard. That's awesome. Better seen than heard. Like a silent movie. Talking without words. There you go. 
And I, I think that line that gets added that second time is probably my favorite line of the song, actually. Paint the world a window and show them what's inside. I think that's a great line. How's you know, that for some imagery? Yeah, Goodness right? Like paint the, yes, th- read that back. Paint the world a window and show them what's inside. That's such a good, such a good thing. That's awesome. And, it, you know, it kind of, it really speaks to the, um, you know, the, the crucial sort of point of this song is just, uh, just living with people through stuff mm-hmm. instead of always having something to say, you know, being there for people is more important than saying you'll be there for people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or saying something that, you know, and in action, speak louder than words, right? Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. Action, speak louder than words. That's it. That's it. And you know, it, and it's true. We've like, we've lived some of that you and I have yeah. together, you know? So like, it's, you know, um, it really is true. And so don't cry, Rob. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, I think maybe uh, time to stump the genius. Let's do it. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. If you could not take so long on stump the genius as you did on meet the band, (laughs) uh, please. This section's gonna be quicker. We got stuff (laughs) to get to. All right, we're gonna stump the genius. I'm going famous Andy's. All right. Okay. Famous Andy's. Here we go. okay. Okay. So let's man. I think let's do. We did forty five seconds or fifty. Let's do. I'm not going to play anything. This is going to be me giving you clues. Okay. Let's do forty seconds. I think we can do it in forty. All right. Yeah, I think we can do it. Okay. We're have to fly. Forty seconds. If you right. get stuck, pass. Okay. So these are famous Andy. Famous Andy's. Here we go. We're going to get five in forty seconds. Give me a countdown. All right. Three, two, one. Okay. Painter, visual artist, Campbell's soup uh, cans, Warhol, Andy Warhol, uh, actor, Matlock, Opie, Barney. Uh, 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 <laughs> Um, Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith, yes. A comedian. Jim Carrey played a movie on him. Andy uh, Kaufman. Kaufman, yes. A member of Lonely Island, Saturday Night Live, Brooklyn. uh, Sandberg. Andy Sandberg, yep. Uh, Guitars for the Police. It's a season. Yeah, boom, that's five. Yo! Oh, wow, with 17 seconds left to go. Look at that. I'll ring for him. That's awesome. Okay, I thought I thought you were going to have more. I was like, all right. We did five. Okay, you have three seconds to name another famous Andy. Uh, Andy from Toy Story. <laughs> that works. Right. I, oh, I didn't do Andy Dick or Andy Gibb or okay. Andy Pettit. Andy Roddick. Okay. Oh, and, yeah, okay. Uh, so anyway, good job. Thank Nailed you. five. Was awesome. Five plus a bonus. 17 That's, seconds. Yeah, we had 17 seconds left. So you did that in 20... Let's do some math. I did 20, 23 seconds. seconds? That's yeah, freaking that's flying. That's pretty good. That's good clue giving. I'm proud of my, yeah, it is. That is good clue giving. That's good clue You giving. and I would be really good at, pa- at the show Password. The, okay. The $10,000 pyramid, pyramid or, yeah. or Password. Yeah, yeah both awesome. of those. That's good. Okay, this is a we, random side we conversation. We play that game at my parents' house. They'll mute it, and that we'll play along with the people, but yeah. muted. Yeah. And sometimes dad's like, come on, they got to get going. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay. I have, okay, I have a um, question about playing games the way guys versus girls play games okay. or, the way, or the way that personality types. It might be a personality type thing, and it's going to lead me to this conversation. So I was talking about the Enneagram, uh-huh. um, and Andy uh, is an Enneagram 9. If you know anything about the Enneagram, each there are like nine personality types sort of broken down in this like chart thing. And it's it's a bit like, um, I, I say this with, with a caution, I don't believe in living your life according to any kind of chart like uh-huh. that that defines you and you say well I can't help my behavior because I'm uh-huh. this right yeah. it's like it's like people who are like well I'm a Virgo so obviously I'm going to smack you in the face if yeah. you whatever you know um, I don't know what if that's Virgo people but like you know <laughs> astrology you know whatever but this is like a personality type thing um, and it's it's really interesting and I've found it to be pretty insightful um, but anyway so type 9 is called uh, the peacemaker 
and um and so the the peacemaker uh, type nines our only our main goal in life is to avoid conflict okay. at uh-huh. any cost right uh-huh. even at a detriment to and ourselves that's Andy that's how he and he's, he's yeah nine. he's also okay. that so like the, like every decision that we make is filtered through this thing of avoiding conflict even within ourselves uh-huh. so like it, it's it's crazy and it's it's a it's a uh, it's a it's a really interesting thing it makes us easy to be friends with uh-huh. right we make we make great friends um but we can make terrible like bosses leaders <laughs> you know whatever yeah. um and so uh you're not going to be the guy that goes up and starts the conversation right you're not going to be the approach guy no but but once you're in you're better than anybody when you're in yeah we can we can yes we can we can hang with anyone uh-huh. we can have a conversation with anyone uh we don't necessarily want to but, <laughs> but we can but you will and we will okay <laughs> and and we'll do it with empathy and yeah. we'll, you know, whatever. But so I, I listened to part of a, of a podcast that he was on. I listened to most of it. Uh, it was called, I believe it was called typology and it was really interesting. They had this, uh, a group of nines. It was Andy and several people who all knew the host and they were all type nines. Um, and so he was asking them questions, you know, and there were, I think seven people in the room. So there's a lot of microphone passing and that stuff uh-huh. going on. And about 13 minutes in, um, you know, other than introducing Andy, Andy hasn't said anything in this in this podcast. And the host goes, Andy, you're being awful quiet over there. And then he goes, Thank you. Like <laughs> that is a perfect personification of of what that Enneagram type nine is. It's like, I'm not here to make waves. I'm not here to make my presence felt, yeah. you know, whatever. And so I was like, I get you exactly. Like he That's goes, awesome. he goes, and you're being awful quiet over there. And he goes, thank you. And, and the room bursts into laughter because they all get it. Um, but so anyway, I, I, I was, I was thinking about that in combination with, we were just talking about playing the hundred thousand dollar pyramid or whatever. And it reminds me of playing games in groups uh, with, um, you know, the game uh, Heads Up where you put a clue yeah. on your uh-huh. head. Okay, Ellen made that pretty popular, right? That oh, yeah. Okay. Game. Okay. Sure. Um, games like that where you have to guess a word or even um, like, I think that Taboo? one in particular is where I noticed it. Yeah. Where you're trying to get somebody to guess a word. Okay. And so for me, uh, I noticed that particularly, I think guys do it. It, it might be a guy's girl's thing, but it might be a personality thing. Okay. If you, if you're trying to get me to guess a word, okay. And let's say the word is, um, let's say the word is blue. Okay. Okay. Like the color blue. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and so if I'm trying to get you to guess the word, the word blue, I'm going to say, um, it's the color of the sky. The sky. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the color of a of of denim yeah. jeans. Sure. Uh, you know, blah 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 blah. Okay. Some people will say, um, not red, but and you'll go blue. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Or or um or if I said um, gosh, they'll say something that like sounds like it or rhymes with it or mm-hmm. you know what I mean like that. I'm going to describe you the 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 what I feel to be the truest way to get to that word. Yeah. Right? Well, well I, and, let's think about how I did those. Like, cause I just, you know, I wrote down the names. Let's okay. see how I got there. Okay. So like with Andy Warhol, I went, I think I said like Campbell Sue Cam- yeah, painter. Ca- painter. So like Cam- what he is. Yeah. With Andy right. Griffith. I did like, he was an actor. I yes. said Matt Locke and then some Andy Griffith characters. Yeah. Um, um, like so- I don't say like not, 
I didn't do like knots. Right. I don't know if that's helping with what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or they'll say or people. Some people will say like um, they'll do a sentence and just leave out that word. They'll be like um, uh, Miles Davis album kind of okay blue right uh, 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 you know something like that um, and part of my brain when people do that goes that's not right you shouldn't do that you can't <laughs> that's, that's wrong. not it, it, part of a part of a an enneagram type nine especially if you feel it, like it's cheating yeah it's like part of it is yes yes a little bit like it's cheating like it's almost underhanded to do it that way it's not the right way to do it uh-huh. and i think that's part of one of the enneagram things is you have <laughs> if a, somebody's like rhymes with you're like big cheater yeah 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 <laughs> um you know there's this thing about uh, so you have wings in the enneagram which means you can t- you you kind of buddy up with so you would a be personality like type from and the, one i would be you i'm like a nine with like a one wing and one the most important thing for the one is to to for things to be right and done the right way okay and um and so i I was just thinking about that while we were talking about that like that's kind of a personality thing that comes out but i think i found i think that if i'm playing with girls they will do that more often even in uh uh What's the the drawing of a Pictionary Pictionary Stuff like that Games like that I'll find that girls I think Tend to be more That way But it's What's funny is It makes you better At the game That's like Empirically I think if you If you wrote down How fast people Get things Uh And And you know Winners (laughs) It's better that way way. It's better to do it that way If you just want to win the game (laughs) But my thing goes (laughs) That's, I want to win it the right way. That's not how you should play the game, right? Well, anyway. It's like I'll I'll die on a hill about this is how something <laughs> should be done or presented uh, versus you're like, but I did it. I already did it. Let's you haven't it. finished yet because you're worried about how it should be should done. Should be done the right way. I, anyway. That's so. funny. That's good. That's a good little section. Good um, silent movie actors. Talk okay. about the song Silent Movie. Stump the Genius Part, part two? 2? No, that's where I was going to go. Because I, I don't know Andy's. any of them. I actually only wrote down three because um, they're the only three on it. Charlie Chaplin, of course. obviously okay. the most popular. Sure. That's the one. Um, do you realize he lived till 1977? I don't know why, but that feels <laughs> like like that feels like way too long for Charlie Chaplin to be alive. Yeah. So other there's, I mean, two, there's two other silent movie actors that I knew. Buster Keaton. Okay. Um, he yeah. lived till 66. Okay. Um, but Greta Garbo lived till oh, Greta ni- Garbo, yeah. She lived till 1990. It's like what? It's like how do these silent movie act, like how is somebody that did a silent movie alive in 1990? Wow, you know what I mean? That when, just felt weird to me. When did Vogue by Madonna come out? That was like 92, 93. I was thinking 80s. Or is it late 80s? It's I because she mentions Greta Garbo by name yeah. in that song, right? Yeah. Um. So is it possible? Hold on. Let's look it up. Let's look, let's look that up. While he's looking that up, I got a text. I was like, sweet, Andy's answering. But it was an ad from uh, D&K Menswear. Hi, JP. 20% off this weekend. Oh, no. I know. Vogue was from the album I'm Breathless in okay. 1990. That'd be 90. It's so, Dick, that's the Dick Tracy era. Yeah, that is. The, it's, yep. That's the... And, and you said Greta Garbo died in 1990? 90. Right then. Dang. Man, that's nuts. That's wild that... Greta Garbo lived potentially. I don't know exactly when she died. This was released in March 27th, Vogue was. So it's possible that Greta Garbo lived to hear her to own hear her name own referenced name. by find Madonna. Out right now. Uh, look up Greta Garbo. Just All right, wiki. Greta Garbo died April, April 15th. 15th. She killed Greta Garbo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Song. Dude, that's nuts. That's wild. She's like, I can go now. Madonna sang about me. Yeah. That's crazy. I will live forever because of Madonna. She was 84 when she died. Wow. Um, That's awesome. 
Dang, that is that's a really crazy thing to think about. That's one of those things. There's like you know these TikTok series that are just designed to make you feel super old, and that belongs in one of them yeah. for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Room to Breathe album. Um, okay, just real quick. Um, unless you had something you wanted to touch no, on, go there. for it. Um, so this I, I talk about how it's one of my favorites, and here's why. Um, so we're talking about silent movie, but I can tell you this album can take you through all stages of life, and I'm going to tell you why. So you blew it. Send. We all do it. Okay. So this is your. I've messed up. I'm gonna play a little bit of "Give Me Grace" and okay. I'm gonna go to minute one twelve. Here, I'll do it. This is the chorus. This is my. This is my alone time. Repentance needed. Okay. Give me grace for when I can't stop falling. Give me strength to help me get back up Give me faith without proof Give me wisdom and truth Give me you Alright, that's my devotion time Solid. song. Here we go. You need a good laugh. I'm going to go to Holy Flakes. Hang on, let me go ahead to second, third. Found a picture so. of the Holy Flakes. <laughs> when he got it scanned, used Photoshop to take a spoon and put it in his hand. Then a Bible with the caption of what the Pope was trying to say. If you're a Christian, act like one and eat your holy flakes. <laughs> holy flakes. Holy flakes. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, no. Holy <laughs> flakes. All right, you wow. want some nostalgia? Good cry with the family. Goodness gracious. Here's another mood for you. This is freedom. This is the first freedom. He has another song called Freedom 2.0 on yep. Fault Lines that's so funny. But this is, we're talking about this album. Every summer they'd load the car and drive up to the mountains. A family tradition going on 15 years. She was the oldest and the only one not laughing. Her mind a million miles away somewhere. Okay, y'all know where this song's going. Yeah. Like, you already know. Yeah. We're, we're set there. All right. <laughs> you need some scripture, biblical imagery, a God song, the best background vocals on this album. It's got to be Burning Bushes. Best background vocals because it's his wife coming in right here. I'm going to play this second chorus because... Praying for a miracle, let me know. Their voices sound so good together. Like, they blend really well together. Delightful. Walking through a garden of a thousand burning bushes. Looking up to heaven for a sign. My favorite first line of any song on the uh, oh. on this album. Okay. Favorite first line. The song's called Hand It Down. And here's the first line. This baseball club. Done. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Yeah. Dude, I can tell you if I uh if I'm running out of my house, I'm grabbing my Magsoft baseball glove over anything. Wow. That's my number one wow. thing. Wow. Right there. It's if it's like Wolfgang, yeah. baseball glove, 
I'm grabbing my baseball glove because I've had it right. since I was in the sixth grade. Dang. Same baseball glove. Love that baseball glove. Man. Um, Have you ever replaced the padding in the heel? No. No, yeah. I catch it basically with my palm. It's right. it's like I'm playing <laughs> like barehanded. Not, yeah. It's just a glove for the, sp- the sake of holding a glove. Yeah. Um, saddest song on the album. Goodness gracious. I don't even have to play it because I'm just going to ball. It's called Memory of You. <laughs> there you go. Just listen to it. It's sad. Um <laughs> Yeah, this album, guys. Dude. It's like, it, like Rob said, it's a mood. I I love it. My buddy David Gert gave this to me, this album to me. Um, it would have been right around 2004, 2005. Um, so thanks, Gert, for uh, hooking me onto this album. Starting on the Andy Gullihorn uh, experiment. It's like, um, you know, even more than a mood. I said a mood originally, but I think as I as I – as we get further in, I think a better word to describe what a great singer songwriter does is take you on a journey. That's it. That's the word. You listen to one of these albums and you're going to feel all kinds of emotions, you know, and these, these great singer songwriters, pure singer songwriters are so good at capturing all these things with so much thought and so much insight. You know what I mean? That they'll make you see things differently you know what I mean? By the way that they, by the way that they approach something, and that's something that he's really good at. Yeah. Whether it's you know whether it's parenthood, you know, uh, whatever politics, faith, whatever it is, whatever these guys, um, you know, touch, they really have a unique way of seeing, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the world. Um. Okay. I I don't know a little bit about the Kerrville Folk Festival. We kind of talk about that yeah. with Andy. Um, he won the competition at the Kerrville Folk Festival in 2010. Former winners and finalists include Steve Earle, Lyle Lovett, Robert Earl Keen, Hal Ketchum, uh, and David Wilcox, uh, alum of the show. And it's an 18-day festival that's gone on since 1972 in Kerrville, Texas. That's a long time. 18, 18 days is a long time for yeah, a festival. it's a long time for a festival. Doggone. I wonder if, it, I mean, you think, I wonder what much else goes on in that town. Yeah. You know, I wonder how it. many people go all 18 days. And Good. they're like, I ain't going to miss a day. Are you yeah. kidding? I've got my tent set up, That's right? Because right? okay. it's a thing where people definitely like just camp and yeah. stay. So like, yeah, I mean, that just seems like such an undertaking. I would not even want to touch That's it. That's an investment. I would not enjoy that. I would love the festival. But 18 days is way too long for me to be anywhere and do yeah. anything. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, that's a long vacation. Yeah. You know? That's if you're a, like, pick your dream vacation spot. Yeah. Even an all-inclusive. I, I can't do 18 days. <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. I mean, if somebody out there wants to sponsor me and Rob on for an 18-day sure. all-inclusive. We'll try We'll it. give it a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> Just try to time it out in Cancun around Hootie Fest. And there you we'll, go. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll pencil some other stuff around. Yeah, we'll be there. All right. Um, now we're going to go talk to Andy Gallahorn, the man of the moment, and have a great conversation with him. But first, I need you to stop and do one thing. I need you to grab your phone and go to Instagram, go to Twitter, and go to Facebook and follow us at Great Song Pod. Uh, join the Facebook group, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. We got a lot of fun stuff going on in there, a little great community kind of powered by the show. I won't even say it's built like around that. the show at this point. I just say it's powered by the show. Um, and, uh, and if you want to go the extra mile and be a part of helping us make the show, you can become a producer by going to patreon.com slash great song pod. And if you decide to become a producer at any level, we will give you our eternal gratitude plus some bonus ways uh, that you can enjoy the show ad free and early plus additional episodes that you won't get anywhere else. Plus our second show, the catch up with Rob and JP every weekend during the season. 
Uh, and what else? I don't know. We've given away stuff on there. We've given away music. We've given away this and that and the other thing. And uh, so it's just one of the ways that we, uh, you know, like we say thank you for being a supporter. You get a heads show. up on who's coming a little bit earlier sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. We throw videos up there that don't get shown anywhere else. Uh, one day, one day I'm hoping to release our blue reel there, our PG-13 reel <laughs> uh, to patrons exclusively. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Uh, we got to get a day when we're feeling like nothing can harm us. <laughs> You know, when we're feeling super confident one day. Um, all right. Or when we're just like, you know we're what? We're just really down. Yeah. You know what? This None of this matters anyway. Let's put the blue reel out there. All right. Uh, but it's coming one day, hopefully. All right. We're going to go talk to Andy, and we'll be back on the other end to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Andy Gullihorn, master singer-songwriter. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Okay, so let's start here. Winner of the Kerrville Folk Festival. I looked up some past uh, finalists that didn't win. Lyle Lovett, Nancy Griffith, Steve Earle. So let's just go ahead and say you're better than all of them. Nice job, Andy, on bringing home the Kerrville Folk Fest. Tell us a little bit about that. 2010. I mean, you're making it sound uh, better than I am, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> Kerrville, I, I grew up in Texas going to the Kerrville Folk Festival and, and just loving it. And then, you know, it's kind of a rite of passage for some folk singer-songwriters. And uh, I was just honored to be a part of it, uh, part of that family. That's awesome. But I wasn't doing the same year as all those other people. You yeah, know, they no, 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 no. You weren't competing with all of them in the same year. Yeah, no, but I was just making the joke that they didn't win, but but you did. Well, I'll bring you down a little bit if you felt like I just hopped you up too much. What's it like oh, that's to have a wife here. that's more musically talented than you? Being married to Jill Phillips. She's amazing. Now, y'all are a, a great team. <laughs> I don't know any different, so I'm I'm fine playing second fiddle. That's awesome. I uh I do your your Gullahorn trivia nights every now and then, and I saw her one night get pitched uh, to do "Love Is a Battlefield" off the off the cuff, and y'all nailed it. And uh, full disclosure, I recorded it a few seconds of it, and I play it on the regular every now and then. So I should probably pay you some royalties on that. But when I need to pick me up, I I watch you and Jill doing uh, "Love Is a Battlefield." And, That's awesome. Yeah, "Labor of Love" from the "Behold the Lamb" is the highlight of my Christmas season every year. Um, I play that. I've seen it multiple times at the Rhyme, and I love it. Um, so yeah, it's it's awesome. Her first album, Jill Phillips from '99, it's one of my favorites. Um, I know God and Money's the big independent break, but I like I Am Still Bars. And the only song, uh, one of the ones I can give you props on, our buddy uh, David. Uh, David Barnes, David McKee Barnes, our buddy Dave Barnes pointed out that uh, only one, the the high harmony change at the end. It's fantastic. So love that. I haven't even thought of that song in 20 years. Dude, it's great. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Go listen to it. Go you'll, think of it real quick. You'll, you'll be pleased. <laughs> All right, Rob, I'll give you one. Okay. Let me ask, I'm going to uh, ask some, some writing stuff um, from you. First, let's, let's talk about your writing approach. First thing I want to know is, are you paper or are you digital? I'm definitely paper. Okay. I tried for a little while. I mean, especially writing with younger artists, they're all like on their phones and stuff. And, uh-huh. and, uh, and they would share documents with me. I tried that for a season and I just realized I forgot every song I wrote during that season. So I have, <laughs> is there something tactile about the writing for you that kind of locks it into memory? I think so. I mean, and it's just like digitally, there's so many different places where, it might be stored. I, I never had a good system for it. So, um, but yeah, there's something about 
writing it on paper that makes it feel, um, I don't know, a little more true to me. That makes sense. I get that. No judgment for people who don't do that. No, it's just sure. not. Sure. You still bowl every week? I don't. The bowling league, you know, I started that many, many years ago and it died right before COVID. Well, it slowed down before COVID because I tore my rotator cuff playing badminton. That'll do it. And, um, and then I couldn't bowl for a while and then COVID happened and just, we haven't, you know, brought it back to life after that. That, uh, in 20, I moved here in 2009 from East Tennessee and in 2010, I shot you an email and you actually invited me to come out and bowl and I missed it. Um, and of all the regrets I have in my life, not coming out to that is up there at the top. I finished second in a Macaulay Culkin lookalike contest. So that's probably number one, <laughs> but number two is not going to the Andy Gullahorn, uh, bowling that you did there, um, in middle Tennessee then. This is number two, but it's the number two. Yeah, I get it. It, it. You should regret that. It was an amazing time. We could have become best best friends. We'd be yeah. hanging out all the time. Right. You'd have been co-hosting this podcast right. with JP at like, this point. Yeah. <laughs> Do I get all the sports mem- memorabilia behind me, though, if, I, if I'm the co-host? Does that there, come with yeah, the job? So I'm a sports nerd. We're actually in the same room. I don't know if we told you that. Me and Robert crossed the room from each other. Um, okay. So, yeah, that jersey was actually worn by Steve Kerr in the playoffs. And through this podcast, we've become buddies with Jim Sonafeld, the drummer for Hootie and the Blowfish. And Mm -hmm. Steve Kerr gave him that jersey. And back in the day, back in the playoffs, and he gave me that jersey because we make a joke that I'm the Steve Kerr of the podcast because Rob is like Jordan and Pippen all in one. He's the talent, and I'm like the other guy that every now and then hits a clutch three. So, like to put it in perspective, I have a picture of me wearing that jersey. When I land an interview, I send Rob a picture of me wearing the Kerr jersey. So when I got you, I was like, picture of me wearing the Kerr jersey. So, well, Kerr's still kicking it, man. I mean, that's the deal. He is, man. I actually made a sports analogy to you a long time ago. I said, you're the Kurt Rambus of the music world, <laughs> like underrated. And uh, yeah, I tweeted. Yeah, my site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get you some big old fancy thank glasses. Yeah, you're, thank you. You're, yeah, no problem. You retweeted me. This would have been like 2013 or something. It's one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> I was like, this guy thinks I'm funny. I've made it. <laughs> Cool. Oh, I'm so glad to make it into your highlights and your top two regrets. That's right. <laughs> Best things, worst things, both involve uh, involving you. Um, open C tuning. What led you to it? How'd you get started? Why the love for open C tuning? Um, I started, you know, when I started playing guitar, it was just like trying to pick out other songs that I love, learn how to play them. And when I got into the folk music world, I started out country. So I learned a bunch of country stuff and then, Started listening to people like uh, Patty Larkin and Pierce Pettis and David Wilcox, and they would use some version of that tuning. Um, so when I was trying to figure out their songs, I kind of navigated my way through it and then just fell in love with it. I used to be more uh, experimental with my tunings. I used to have a bunch of different tunings, and I'm but at the heart of it, I'm just a lazy person. <laughs> and, and my shows, I just don't. You know, people like David Wilcox are changing the tunings every yeah. song, and I'm like, I don't, I, I can't do that. So, <laughs> I con- consolidated it to open C or standard tuning, and open C is just really hard to make a mistake in. It's just like <laughs> I think it's cheating big time. So that's why I love. It. <laughs> that's good. Um, so, I imagine if I asked you what's essential for a songwriter to be able to like communicate effectively. Um, to the hearts of their listeners. Um, 
you know, you'd probably say, um, well, let me ask you, what exactly would you say if if what's if something that is essential? Obviously, this is a this is a this is not a, a one size fits all question, but like to you, what what is an essential part of being able to communicate to make it land with somebody who's listening in? Well, I feel like if you ask me any different day, I might have a different answer. But right now, today, what comes to mind is you have to pay attention and you have to uh, be in community. And and by that, I mean, if you're not uh, paying attention and being involved in the world around you, then it's, I, I feel like I would be, well, if I wasn't doing that, I would feel so disconnected that I wouldn't even know how to communicate what I want to communicate. So to me, that's the first thing is being involved. Cause I think a lot of artists sometimes and songwriters that I talk to, it can be kind of like a, such a personal internal thing. That's like, Oh, I just want to get in my cave and be creative, which I think is great. But I think getting in a cave and being creative and isolating yourself from the rest of the world, uh, creates a kind of art that doesn't communicate as well. Mm. I don't know if that's it speaking to your question, but that's what comes to mind. Yeah. And so, you know, it sounds like you're talking about being in community and being, you know, kind of open to the world is, is really, um, part of that is making yourself very, very vulnerable, you know, and, and not shutting yourself off from like, uh, the feelings that come with paying attention. Right. Um, how do you get comfortable putting all those emotions and feelings on display in such a vulnerable way? Ooh, I, I think the only way that I could get comfortable with it is just by pushing through the fear of it and doing it a lot. Like, I, you know, there, there are certain things, certain kinds of songs that feel really vulnerable to share in front of a live audience or whatever. And um, early on, I would be more hesitant to do it. Like, I don't know, is this too much? Or is this like, um, and I kind of just trusted my gut and I would do it. And when I did it, I felt... I could feel the connection and people connected to it. So, you know, I've been doing this now for, I don't know how a lot of years and I just get used to it. And I'm not as afraid of it anymore. There's still that little piece. It's like, Ooh, I don't know. Um, but I can kind of trust the data from before about just whether it's songwriting or not, just what happens when somebody is willing to go first and be vulnerable. And, you know, in a live setting, as a songwriter, like that's all you're doing is, is you're, you're going first all the time. You're sharing something first and creating space for other people to connect with it and, you know, maybe share back if they want. But, um, so I think over time it gets a little bit easier when I, when you, when I see the fruit of it in my own life. That's great. The, um, so there's parts of these where we, I've, you know, obviously Rob asks the deep, smart questions, and I'm like, "What's it like to have a belly button?" But uh, like, there's stuff that I love about your. I, I could touch on every album. Like I have, I could touch on something I like about every album, from everything from Old Hat to I'm gonna jump Room to Breathe because I'm gonna come back there. Reinventing the Wheel, a lot, I, Room to Breathe never leaves my top ten favorite albums. So my top, my top ten list changes on the regular. But I've talked with Rob. We've done this podcast for 200-plus episodes, fi- over five years, 10 seasons, and that album has never left my top 10. 
Um, my goodness. Thank so, you so much. The, it's the pivot point. It, it, it's always the in axis. there somewhere. Sometimes a, it's number 10. Really... Sometimes it's barely hanging on, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's in there. Um, I just say you need to listen to more music. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to a bunch. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, so Give Me Grace used to be the track. Like that was my, when I needed some alone time for the church people out there in the word, um, or, you know, if I just needed some me time, that was my, that was my jam. The song that my wife is sick of now because I play way too much is Silent Movie. So I'm going to take – that's probably what we're going to do. The, I'm going to make an executive decision That'll probably because we normally focus on one song. So get ready because that might be the one that I talk on because that song – a long time ago. Dude, that song hits me. It's so good. The, anyway, but uh, – so thank you for that. Thank you for all the freedoms. Freedom Part 1 and Freedom Part 2. So I heard awesome. Freedom Part 2 for the first time at – when it had just come out. At the Behold the Lamb, when you brought it out and told the story about Ed, it the Andy's a great joke writer in songs, and I don't think you deliver anything better than setting that up, and del- that was wonderful. So thanks for all the freedoms. No, oh, thank you. I think that the time when I sang that Freedom Part Two at the Ryman, I can't remember how old my kids were, but but I remember my youngest. It might have been the first time that he came to the Ryman to see something. I don't know. And he was so confused. He was angry that people were laughing at me. <laughs> and I tried to deliver it with a straight face and whatever. And he was like, why are people laughing at my dad? It was, I think it was probably a traumatic experience for him. So <laughs> well, you were working so hard. <laughs> the payoff was worth it. Tell him he'll be all right. So yeah. Just- <laughs> used to it now. Um, and I'll, I'll tell our listeners, I'm not going to make you expound on the high five story, but that's a really good, um, a really good story that I'll tell our listeners to research that. Um, I don't know the best way you want to tell them to go look that up. Um, where would you suggest they research that? Or do you want to tell it? I mean, the, the article from the Atlantic was, was really great. And that's kind of what sparked the interview for CBS, uh, news or CBS Sunday morning or whatever, um, you know, it, it'll tell the story as, as good as I would tell it. Although I, that was a couple of years ago. So the basic thing is I've just been walking a mile and a half to give my friend a high five every week for it's eight and a half years now. Um, and it's a huge waste of time and it's fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Everybody else needs to go read it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Times we've met. Real quick, we met three times. Once I saw, I met you at an Andy and the Andy show in Knoxville with you with Andrew Peterson and Andrew Osegna, um, and that was a great show. Um, Where was it in Knoxville? It was, forgive me that I don't know the venue, but it was an Andy and the Andy show in Knoxville, and I don't remember awesome. the venue, but I got a picture with you afterwards. I'll send it to you later if I find it. Thank that, you. that was exciting. I met you at the Well Coffee House show one time. Y'all did a show there at the Well Coffee House, which is here in the Middle Tennessee area. And then I met you once at a CC's Pizza. And I said, yeah, it was in the Rivergate area at a CC's. I don't remember. You were up here doing something. And I said, I like this guy because he knows the value of a dollar, and you weren't too good to stop and say hey. So those are the three times I met you, and you've been kind every single time. So thank you for Man. being kind. Oh. Thank you for being kind. Yeah. No what's problem. your What's your go to at CC? Yeah. What's your pizza of choice? Oh gosh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, my, these days, my go to at CC is to is to not go. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for 
you know, I feel like I want to get my money's worth whenever I go somewhere. Cause I'm a, I'm a cheap person. So like, uh, CC's kind of did that for me. <laughs> and he's like, I'm cheap. I'm lazy. What else? Yeah. How else can you degrade <laughs> yourself in your own interview? That's good. I mean, I don't see those as bad qualities. I love that about myself. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll say the word thrifty. Cause I'm the same way. So. There we go. Thrifty and efficient. We'll say that. Yeah, how about that? Thrifty and thrifty efficient. And I work for Enterprise, the car company, so I probably shouldn't use the word thrifty because they're a competitor. <laughs> but anyway. I yeah, you should. Um, we'll bleep it. Well, there's one question that we ask everybody. Oh, wait. I got to get you one more. One? I got one, okay. more, one more songwriting question one before we get to the question. Yeah. And then we got one. We'll okay. be respectful of your time. Uh, kind of a two-part question, but when you're writing, um, how often – do you write, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of biography, um, but when you're writing, how, how often are you thinking I'm writing as myself or how often do you verse, uh, versus how often you write from the perspective of a character? And do you find that sometimes it's easier to say something that you really want to say, but if you can make it come out of the mouth of, of a character instead of yourself? I would say it's, I don't know what the percentages would be, but it would be heavy on the autobiographical. Um, sometimes, um, I don't think I'm very good at making up stories uh, about people that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might not be true. I, I don't know. I, have, I guess I have some songs that are like that. Holy flakes. Uh, come on. There's nobody. Is there a store? Tell me that that is a, if that's a real person. No, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's like, yeah, that's not real. None of it's real. But, um, no, I, I think most of the time I'm writing from, uh, you know, just putting myself into it. Some of that is if I, when I write third person or second person or something like that, um, I'm really careful about not wanting to be, um, preachy. Yeah. And so if there's ever a song that kind of starts that way, um, I will always kind of check it to bring it back to first person to make sure that if somebody is taking a fall on the song or whatever, then it's going to be me or somebody's implicated in it. Mm. Uh, I just think that's a healthy thing to do in general. Um, not to implicate myself, but just to, you know, not be pointing my finger at people. Whenever I do that, uh, it usually comes back around and bite me in the butt later. <laughs> but, you know, I do, it, I also write with other artists a good bit. So sometimes I can write, you know, or it'd be more typical for me to write in first person from the perspective of somebody else, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like through somebody else's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you you walk the line of, and pardon the the, the word I'm going to use has line, but like line in the sand. I think you wrote that so gr- where you deliver that message so well um, that could have come across as churchy or preachy, but I think you delivered that exceptionally well for what you were trying to accomplish. So to f- follow up on that, that was yeah. And I think it, a song like that starts honestly. It started from kind of a preachy, like I was kind of pissed off at some people about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I was like, how do I, I kind of want to like, you know, rub yeah. their fate. And then the songwriting process is what brings it back to be, around to be like, Oh, okay. I've been this way too. And what is it that brings about change? And so, um, you know, I think it, it could often start with some kind of anger point or some message that I really want to just shove in somebody's face. But, like I said, 
when I try to do that, it, it doesn't age well Yeah, uh, in a song. Yeah, it wouldn't leave anybody feeling any better. And so I think what was therapeutic for you, baby, in the songwriting process actually helped others too. So it was good. It rolled out good. I hope so. I, I, I like to think that if I, if I, I mean, I do see songwriting as like wanting to take somebody from point A to point B at least, and maybe some other points along the way, even if that person is just myself. And I just find as a strategy, some people's personalities are more like, this is the way it should be. You should, you should believe in point B. And I'm kind of more like, okay, if anybody's going to travel that distance, first they have to like, feel like they have to want to get on the train first and feel like they, that they relate to it. And, um, so this kind of, you know, maybe it's manipulative, but that's kind of the way that I work. <laughs> that's all right. Well, uh, that, to, that whole pro- that whole Beyond the Frame project, I think, takes us from that point to point B. Like, I will kicks it off wonderfully, and I think you accomplished that all the way through. So, uh, Thank you. Well, well Thank done. You. Uh, okay, there's one question we ask everybody. We'll be respectful of your time, Andy. We try to – we know you're a busy guy doing big things, hanging out in the attic. So, uh, totally. <laughs> so you're on tour, either – solo project or you're doing behold the lamb wherever you're on tour and you go into a gas station uh what is your gas station snack food of choice and while you're thinking of your gas station snack food i'll tell you mine i get a three musketeers bar when i was growing up my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want and it's the most ounces so they're all the same price so i just get a three musketeers bar to tie into the cheap thing there i guess but yeah cc's is CC's is the three three musketeers is the CC's of whatever. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> what is your what is your gas station snack food of choice? Okay, if I'm traveling by myself, it's I mean, what I would buy more than anything else is sunflower seeds to keep myself awake while I'm okay, driving. Solid. That's good. Love that. I have some but in my car now. If I was gonna go with like a a uh, some candy, um, it would probably be Reese's sticks for some reason. I don't get those any other place. Okay. okay. You pick the sticks over the cups. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just like, there's something it's tied to even with my, my boys, we go play disc golf somewhere. We're like, Oh, let's stop and get something. It's always Reese's. We don't get them any other time <laughs> other than, you know, at a gas station. So <laughs> there we go. How's your, uh, how's your fantasy football team doing? I know that you're pretty big into that. How's it doing this year? I hadn't seen many updates. Yeah. It's kind of better than average. I'm, I'm like, you know, I think, well, I'm in two different leagues, and I'm in the top half of the league in both of them, but I'm not killing it. Well, it's, hey. it's up and down. That's it's a weird year for the NFL, I think. I get it. Same here. So, that's a subtle brag. He's like, I'm in the top half. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, all, that's good. I mean, I did, you know, win last year, but no big deal. Nobody's keeping score. <laughs> yeah, <nobody>. Except me. <laughs> Except you. <yeah. laughs> Trophy oh, you got a trophy? <laughs> oh, nice. Well, this is uh, this has been fun for real. This has been been super fun for us, super fun for me. Hope Rob had Rob had fun watching me just blab about my enthusiasm. <laughs> I love it. it so. I love it. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll catch up right. soon. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, man. man. Have a good one. Yes. All right. Cheers. And that was Andy Gullahorn. Super cool dude. Thanks so much to Andy for coming on the Great Song Podcast. Um, do you feel now that we're back on equal footing? I had Meat Puppets last week. Oh, dude, we're, we're level. Andy it Gullahorn. Good. It good. Um, it's good. It's all love from all sides. Oh, but, but uh, next week, guys, the gloves are off. Come on! It's, y'all, it's time. We can tell y'all, it's rivalry week next week. Rivalry week like the world has never seen before. Oh, man, you guys don't know what's coming. Coming next week. So uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to go out and and uh, work up a sweat, and uh, 
<laughs> talk to you guys next week about a divisive song. Um, and so you'll yeah. see who's on what side. That's right. We'll see where we'll see where you land next week on our rivalry week song. We'll see on next week when the gloves are off, baby. It's all hate. <laughs> we'll see you next week on the Great Song Podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>